0: welcome to the rice life a podcast by rice extension hi i'm charlton
1: and i'm harriet and we're extension officers for the australian rice industry each week we'll bring you a new conversation connecting growers with research technology and best practice
0: welcome back to another week of the rice life harriet can you give us a quick update about what's happening up north with the current rice year
1: yeah, it's been good to get out and about and see where everyone's up to. At the moment, there's a few people a little bit nervous this year because it's been so wet. We've noticed that the ground really hasn't cracked open this year, so anyone that's sown a little bit deeper, um, rice is sort of struggling to emerge through, so growers will be watching very carefully to see yeah, see their plant establishment and a lot of people doing some plant counts to see if they need, need a re Weed control everyone's sort of got their hands pretty well sorted on options if they've mixed, missed the three way mix. We've got seen a lot of stem being used this year with Magister and Stomp, and some pretty good results so far. But what's been happening down your way?
0: Yeah, down south there's a lot happening. Uh, lots of planes flying around, which is good. Um, in the drill sown crops, as you said, it's rained a little bit, which has mucked up people's chemical programs. We've seen people drop out their Gramoxone just because they were already at that two-leaf stage, but they are planning to come back later with Aduxa as their mop-up. We've also seen some early bloodworm sprays go out that 10 days or 8 to 10 days post-aerial sowing, and plant counts are starting to happen down south. Um, there was a photo went up on Twitter yesterday with one of the agronomists, and they've got an aerial sown crop that's at two to three leaves, so it's exciting to start to see paddocks turning green and people who aren't necessarily involved in the rice industry have started to notice that, you know, rice is back around and are commenting about it, which is a really nice thing. Following on from all these little, you know, queries and difficult starts to the year, we've had you caught up with Brian to chat about late sowing options.
1: Yeah, this week we're going to talk about uh, double cropping and and sort of that late sowing options. We're going to interview two growers Anthony and Jim Salvestro and they um, were really successful in double cropping a dry broadcast crop after canola back in 2016 and 17 and while I picked their brains about what went well and and what they learned from that experience last year last time they grew rice we also wanted to include a chat with Brian Dunn about late sowing with Rizik um, only because yeah, obviously we're, we're starting to get outside the window of Rizik and we wanted to know what are the risks associated with pushing that sowing window. Um, so, yeah, like I said, the, the chat with Jim and Anthony will be about a Vand crop, but for many growers this isn't going to be an option this year. So we wanted to include this chat with Brian just so growers know that if they are going to look to change to a Rizik crop, what the risks could be associated with going outside the window.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. Just for anyone listening, Harriet, where can they find that information about the late sowing options and what the risks are with the end?
1: Well, with Razik, Yep. Yeah, the grower services team. So Sunrise would have sent out an email with to all of the growers. Uh, the rice extension team also sent it out to all of the agronomists on our mailing list. We'll also put a link to that fact sheet in the show notes and we'll have it on our website and it will be a feature coming up in our newsletter that will get released uh, next week. But for now, we'll just start off with the interview that we did with Brian Dunn around recommendations for late sowing rice in 2020. So I'm sitting here with Brian Dunn. Thanks so much for joining us today, Brian. I'm just looking over at a really good fact sheet called recommendations for late sowing rice in 2020 and this was forwarded out to all growers by grower services but I just thought while I had you in front of me I might pick your brains further about some of the information in this fact sheet and where I wanted to start was yeah many growers are looking to sow rice later than the recommended time just due to the fact that there's increase in water availability. So what are some of the implications of sowing later than recommended?
2: Yeah, hi, Harriet. The biggest implication with sowing later than recommended is you're, you're pushing the, outside the window of the best time to have your reproductive periods. So the reproductive periods are, are set to be, with the growing dates, are set to be at the time of the least risk of cold. So as you say later you're pushing the, these periods where there's increased risk of cold so you can get cold damage which will greatly in, in re, uh, reduce yield
1: and when you say greatly reduce yield is that like are you able to put a figure on it or is it a bit too tricky to, to put a number on it
2: if you get severe cold like our biggest risk of cold is microspore uh, which you can protect to some degree with deep water So if you only get a a night or two of cold at microspoil and deep water, you've got reasonable protection, you you won't lose a lot of yield. But if that extends for multiple days, you could lose five or six tonne or more. But we also find there is risk of cold at flowering as well, which growers often don't recognise. And this often isn't as significant, it might be only two or three tonne, but also you don't have that chance of protecting your crop at all from the deep water because it's well above that at that stage. So the worst situation is if you get cold at microspore and then cold at flowering, and you could lose at least half your crop's yield or more.
1: Big risk or little risk depending on the, on the, on the, on the weather. Like you said, if, it, uh, if it's a cold year, you, you're really gonna bomb out.
2: It's a bit of, bit of luck of the draw, really. And um, <clears throat> the further you get outside the windows, it's just uh, um, increasing probability that you'll have problems.
1: So when you say it's increased probability the later you go outside the window, what's, what's the latest you would push that window?
2: There is a little bit of leeway in the windows, and, and I, think for, I think it's quite, for Rizik, I think you can probably go up to 10 days outside the window in this situation. Like it's not a normal situation and we wouldn't normally recommend that, but the Rizik yields do maintain quite well up until late November so you're not really looking at a yield decrease from the variety itself you're more just looking at that increased cold risk yep so i i think um i'd be happy if most growers are willing to take that risk to probably go 10 days later than the recommended sewing windows
1: yep and and we're talking about razeek obviously because uh yeah many growers be aware that we've exceeded the demand for viand and sherpa but why why the focus on razeek would you look to so late with another variety or should growers just be sticking with rizik
2: i think rizik's a, the preferred option with what we have left like you wouldn't sow topaz late it's particularly cold sensitive and we don't really have the opportunity for opus either so i think rizik has the potential and it is a variety that does tend to the later you sow it it will shorten up its, its growth period a little bit as well so which is an added advantage
1: yep okay and if growers do so late what are some of the management practices that they can do to make sure that they're not holding up the crop any further the crops maturity any further
2: probably the, the best thing the later you go the shorter you want the growth period so aerial sowing is preferred option because it's a week or more earlier than drill sowing if you do drill sow, you really want to go to permanent water fairly early like after the once you get established so probably after the second flush you don't want to delay it too much, and you, and you really don't want to do delay permanent water because that's going to just add further delay. So you want to stay away from that. You also don't want to apply excessive nitrogen because the more nitrogen you apply, the later you will push the crop. It extends the growth period of the crop, and also there's a cold nitrogen interaction. So the more nitrogen you apply, the more risk you have with coal damage. So you want to apply enough nitrogen to get a good yield, but you don't want to be going all out and applying excessive.
1: Pushing it, pushing that risk to ask. Yeah, that's right. So I guess if if growers, I can imagine that they might be in a bit of a hurry if they're um, trying to turn their winter cereals around and and get back in with a rice crop. If they don't have the timing quite right in terms of having, say, like optimum conditions to spread nitrogen, like a, a dry soil, what should they look to do or not do, I guess? What are some tips there?
2: Yeah, that's right. nitrogen's really important. If you're waiting for your field to um, apply your nitrogen, which is delaying your sowing of your crop, that can be a problem. So if you sow your crop and you haven't applied any nitrogen, you, you um, the two things you don't want to do is you don't want to put fertiliser under wet soil and you don't want to put your air into fields that have just filled up with water and don't have any active plants growing in them or small plants because your losses in both those situations are really high so your opportunities are if you have sown and you haven't got your nitrogen on is to have split applications throughout the season so wait until like 30 or 40 days when the plant's established and then apply some nitrogen then another two or three weeks later as you're getting to tilling apply more nitrogen so have a couple of split applications so the crop can use that without significant losses, yep. and then at PI um, test it and go from there. Well the other option that you have is you can drain the field once it's established, so 30 or 40 days it's established, you could drain the field and then apply your uh, fertiliser to the dry soil um, as in a normal drill sown situation and then reflood after that, which is a more efficient option. But some growers might want to do that and there could also be some herbicide implications with that.
1: So I've got to weigh all those things up, yep. Righto, very good. I think that's all the questions I had for you. Uh, Thanks very much.
2: No problem, thank you.
1: If you've got any questions after listening to this section with Brian Dunn, you can get in touch with either the Rice Extension team or Brian Dunn himself. His details are located at the bottom of the fact sheet, which you can download from the show notes in this podcast. But for now, listen into to the interview with Jim and Anthony Silvestro with their experience with double cropping with Vyond. Can you tell us a little bit about where you're located and a bit about what you guys do out here?
3: Anthony Silvestro from yep. Wobriggy, uh, 26, been farming, well, gone farm since 2016. I've uh, got 500 hectares of mixed wing broadacre and a bit of citrus as well. Mainly grow in the broadacre, a bit of cotton in the summer and rice um, and then winter crops are wheat and canola the main ones and we've got 25 hectares of citrus as well.
1: Who are you sitting next to?
3: Sitting next to Dad. Can...
4: Yeah, I'm uh, Jim Salvisco. Yeah, we're 16 k's just south of Griffith. Um, I've been here for 40 something years, I don't know how long it's been. Um, yeah, I'm getting ready for retirement, but I just don't don't really want to do it yet. But uh, Anthony's doing the row cropping and the, uh, mainly the, and I'm sort of settling back doing more of the citrus part of it. Yeah, nice. uh, we seem to be getting on quite well. Yeah, he's pretty clued on, especially with the latest things on the, all the, the computer stuff on the, on the machinery and all that I don't know any about that but yeah we seem to complement each other
1: a good fit yeah, yeah. yeah. it's nice that, it was interesting about your citrus as well how does that tie in with your sort of tr- well, broadacre stuff yeah,
4: well it works in really well because they they come in at different times of when my main work in the year is and lately citrus have been absolutely ridiculous the prices ridiculously high good yeah, yeah if I I told you there i think everyone would be going out planting citrus but that yeah um it's
3: good to do good to yeah, it, it, it's it, the, I'm, I'm, yeah it's been really great lately yeah, yeah. For the yep. drought.
4: anyway and this year i had my biggest crop with my um, highest prices ever so it was a good year oh
1: that's very good yeah. news yeah and i wanted to pick your brains about double cropping because i know that you haven't grown rice for a couple of years but the last time you did do it you were pretty successful in double cropping, and I wanted to pick your brains a little bit more about that. So, last time you did it was back in 2016, 17, and you grew viand, or it was called YRM 70 back then, after canola. Did you want to tell me a little bit about that experience?
3: Oh, uh, yeah, back in 16, 17, crop would have been. We had, uh, yeah, put 40 hectares of, or wire seventy or Vion what it's called now, and we also had thirty five hectares of Sherpa and thirty five topaz behind. Uh, well, it canola, behind yeah. The canola, yeah. yeah. Um, that was well worked out pretty well that year. It was a good sort of trial to see which crop was, what well, which variety was the one to do. But yeah, that year there we, um, yeah, harvested the got canola was Wind Road, then we. Yeah, harvested it and went through with the offset once. Just sort of deep enough to bury all the trash. That's sort of one thing you got to look out for when you're doing double cropping. Um, and then, yeah, threw out some starter, and rolled it, rice, threw the rice out, the urea and rolled it again. And then just treat it like a normal dry broadcast after that. Um, yeah, worked pretty well that year. I think we got uh, 11.2 tonne so, the egg there out of the, the on there, and yep. then we had 3.2 out of the canola before that. So, it was a good little exercise anyway. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, catch your bets.
1: Yeah, what, and when you said that uh, you have to be careful about trash, what did you mean there? Well, what Do you want to expand on that?
3: Yeah, well, canola is light. Um, if you don't bury the trash, you go through and mulch it first, and um, if you don't bury it properly, then it just all floats and it settles in one side of the bay. Yep. And then you'll have a pretty hard time getting your rice germinated through it um, it doesn't sort of didn't really like it at all even though it we went through at the offset there was still a bit of trash a little bit, yeah. floating and um yeah wherever the trash sort of settled nothing really came up it was sort of like a nice little spot for ducks to land in yeah okay that,
4: that same year i went to a rice um, extension field or whatever it was in collie ambly and um it was about around about christmas time and direct drill a crop down there and just just left it in the with the stalks there, haven't touched it and and it was absolutely magnificent all these beautiful rows there and and the trash didn't move because all the stalks were left there so that's the way we're going to try and do it this year we're hiring a um was a single disc is it single disc air air seeder, and we'll go straight in just uh, give it a uh, round up with um, round up up a nail I think the agronomist told us and straight in and sow the Vion. Um, They're that, that talking about sowing it fairly deep too, aren't they?
3: Yeah, we'll be sowing it deep just to allow us time to come back with the, the sprayer. Yep. We'll be harvesting at the same time, it'll be, be pretty flat out. And because and we're right next to the oranges as well, we've got to wait for a day that the wind's blowing away.
1: So you want that bit of time up your sleeve?
3: Yeah, so you sow a little bit deeper and you give that. You might get an extra day out of it so you can get back on it with the um, with the knockdown sprays. Yeah, yeah, well, sure.
4: we'll knockdowns first and then we will be the three-way mix, I think it is. Yeah. That's what yeah. they're talking about. Yeah. I've got, um, yeah, I think it'll come up pretty good. Yeah. And the timing's perfect. Um, the water's at the right price. Um, so, yeah. Uh, we, we sort of had that in mind right from the start. That's why uh, we had to watch out what type of chemicals to use in the canola because you don't want have any residuals there that's going to affect the rice. Uh, I think we used a bit of... Um, land there was yeah. a low rate um, The paddock was reasonably clean after a few years of uh fallow in here yeah yeah
3: we had a failed wheat crop in there last winter yeah so was, which kept it clean yeah. and then uh, and it hasn't done
4: rice in there for about four three, oh, probably the same year three years same year
3: yeah same year yeah. we done a double cropping because we yeah. had, had a crop of fallow rice topaz in the same paddock and then we ended up having more water as well we repeated after the canola the same year
1: yeah. So mm-hmm. when you put your canola in this year, did, were you planning to come back in with rice or that's just a... Yeah,
4: absolutely. Yep. It was planned right from the start, from the beginning. Uh, at the time, water was very expensive. So my idea was if, if water gets um, cheap enough at this time, I'll either get the water or be able to buy it. You know, instead of holding expensive water for rice, yep. um, yeah, you can do other things with it and um and it seems to have fallen yeah come out quite well yeah
3: where, where we've got the canola it's sort of the best rice ground for water usage yeah. um so we had the other farm or well, other parts of the farm was in wheat ready um and then already healed up for row cropping so we couldn't really put uh rice in it and we also had chukpoo spread out on pretty much all the farm and then you don't really know what's in it so how much nitrogen and everything so we don't really want to follow a rice crop in you know chill-proof it yeah it also yeah. comes so, out in
4: stripes anyhow because it, yeah, it so, doesn't go out evenly okay. we found out yeah unless least they double up and um yeah so this one is yeah it uh, should be okay um this this normally uses about 14 megs a hectare where we're sowing now because we've I've got reasonably high water you said for it so yeah I, I think with beyond we should come in probably be Ten to twelve megs, I
3: think. Yeah, hopefully. Short being short season and direct drilling yeah. as well.
1: So that Should was a bit of water. another factor of trying to try this drill as well as yeah. water well, saving. Well, one of the
4: one of the main things for direct drilling also is um, rather than working it up and dry sowing, is um, it, 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 we're starting to have some issues with uh, resistant weeds, mm-hmm. and, um, and you're using different, completely different herbicides, and and the broad leaves, um, you know, are a, a big pressure. We're to give it. One or two flushes and yeah
3: hopefully permanent by a third leaf stage yeah okay depending yeah. on okay. what the timing is and everything
1: i yeah. was gonna ask you like what what's your plan going for when when do you sort of see yourself sewing you're being able to sew
3: should have started harvest two days ago going by the the um, sample it's uh, down to a bit over four yeah. percent Yep. which is very surprising um so look hopefully mid next week we're getting into it. It's really just as soon as the head is finished I'll go straight in and start sowing, Which oh. is pretty with another good reason to go direct drill. You are not relying on working the ground up first and so then rolling and spreading. It's just the timing one be person, quick. one tractor, and you just go straight in and do it, which is a lot more time effective.
1: Yeah that's good. So what what do you think the total turnaround time's gonna be? No breakdowns, well, I no think
3: nothing? So, well yeah. no breakdowns, hopefully end of next week we'll be all in. Yep. Yeah. 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 The end of next week yeah. Yeah. And okay. what
1: the lineups are for harvesting. So I'm looking at the dates here, next week, the end of next week, so that's the 13th of sort of November. So yeah. for the end, what what's your plan of attack? So drill sowing, but what sort of, I'll just ask you what sort of rates and seeding rates, how about?
3: Um, well, seed rate would be about 140 kilos and 180 kilos thereabouts of the starter, mm-hmm. starter mix there. Um, bit of, yeah, a bit of phosphorus, zinc, yeah, I mean, think you have to try to cause it, it. Closet, bouncer or something like that. That's what we'll be using. Um, and then yeah, permanent at three leaf, we'll try to get there if we have time. Yeah. Go to permanent water and be between two fifty and three hundred kilos per hectare of your rear. Yeah.
1: And going to permanent straight away just to make sure you're getting it on time?
3: Yeah, try and quicken. Quick. You know, don't you you can delay permanent water but you're sort of drawing out the window and with, I know beyond the, uh, it's a quick, you know, early variety, but we are sort of, don't want to be too late. Yeah, what,
1: what do you think the challenges are gonna be getting it in on time?
3: Timing. Uh, not so much sewing, more so spraying. Um, just get just looking for a window. Like I said, we've got the oranges there. So it's, there's some days or some weeks where the wind's always blowing the wrong way. So that's the most challenging thing. And we'll be harvesting wheat as well and i've got a bit of contract to do with, as well which is a bit challenging and the weather who knows if it's going to be raining every week or so yeah, yeah, that yeah, that that's could be that that be the biggest challenge this year which not just you know not every year is like this but yeah for us it's just mainly the spraying because um, you've got to try and work in like i said with the wind and harvesting and everything like that yeah, that's been the biggest. But so there's, there's
4: quite a few different chemicals you can use. It's all new to me. We've never done done it this way, but I've seen other people do it. Um, yeah. So if you miss out on that first three-way mix, there's other there's other things options. you can do. Any other options? Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Is there anything that you learnt from your experience double cropping previously that you will or won't do this season?
4: Well, the one thing is the uh, don't put chook shit. Yeah. Chuk,
3: yeah, chukuru, you should say. So, <laughs> so what happened there? Um, well, we when we when we grew it in twenty sixteen, it was falling over in stripes, and we were pulling our hair out trying to work out what what it was. Um, we thought maybe it was the windrows, you know, where you know. offset discs. Maybe yeah, the offset or of mm. windrows was mm. you know when you um, the windrows, you always got a bit of set, bit of canola germinating afterwards. So we thought maybe it was that, a bit more, you know, green matter there, not, uh, not your know, nutrients. Or the tailings of the header. Tailings from the header, we thought <laughs> it could be, but yeah. ended up what we think it is. We think it, it is, yeah. We think it is now, might it be windrow from a chook yeah. yeah. If that happens this
4: year, we know it's like the tailings of the header.
3: Yeah, this year we don't have any chook <laughs> in the paddock. And it's never yeah. had chook in it. So if it is, if it does lodge in stripes again, then we know it's either the tailing or the windrower. Yeah. Um, which would we'll do it. But, we're changing our practice a bit by direct drilling, so there's yeah, there's not as we don't really know what
4: we're sort of Yeah, a little will the tailings, won't be the wind run because we're not touching it. Yeah. 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 So it'll be the tailings which could be interesting, but um yeah, we're gonna try and spread it spread the um the tailings as wide as we can. Yeah. So we don't wanna burn it because I think when you burn it you can get tied up with the f- with the um carbon with some chemicals. So, um yeah. We'll just, we'll just, yeah, it should be just behind the header. You can go and sow basically. Yeah,
3: yeah right. A lot yeah. Of, it's new to us direct drilling this year as well. So a lot of, <laughs> a lot of winging it. But we've seen
4: people do it successfully. Yeah. So.
1: And I did want to ask you about herbicide residuals. Is that a concern for you guys?
3: I'd say not really because we were planning from the start to go rice. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that's why we only went a light rate of, um, of track land because so we knew that we were going to put rice in afterwards so we knew that it would have been broken down by now yeah
4: we're very sensitive with herbicide residuals because uh, we've just started to grow a bit of cotton on the high water usage areas and you've got to think three years ahead for that
3: yeah yeah cotton and it's uh, really yeah <coughs> when you grow on cotton sort of i'm not going to say up to our game for rice but you you learn a lot that's such a fiddly picky crop so you learn off that so you can bring some of what we learn on growing a cotton with residuals to, you know, to the rice. To the rice. So now we're, we're constantly thinking you know, year ahead, what are we gonna put in? Yeah, you know, whether it's a summer crop or wheat or rice, summer crop or winter crop, and what chemicals we can and can't use. Yeah, okay. So it's not really a big concern at the moment, yeah.
1: No, that's good. It's not a concern because you've already thought about it. Yeah, pretty
4: much. <laughs> no, you yeah, definitely yeah, think ahead, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. The sowing window, like you guys are gonna be good because you've got, the end in, but is that ever in the back of your mind about sowing, making sure Well,
3: one thing I didn't mention too, was at the start of the, we put canola in, we looked, because we knew we were going to put rice in afterwards, we looked for a short season variety, so we went with, with a new seed variety called Diamond which is fairly short season. We also sown it uh, about two three weeks earlier than what they recommend. Oh, about a week I think it was, yeah, yeah. But we sown it in Yeah, it was it a was yeah, yeah, you know, short season sown early. Short season sown yeah. early. So we, we do, you know, you're, you're, you're risking your flowering window as well, but you sort of got to take that into account with when you want to put your rice in. If it hadn't rained,
4: the, 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 the rice would have been in now. The rice would have
3: been in by now, yeah. Yeah, well that's yeah. what I was going to ask. It's
1: delayed
4: us for about nearly a week because it's been windrowed now for nearly two weeks. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, and that was, yeah, that's all I wanted to ask yeah. was around that sewing window, how you normally plan, but. Yeah, we worked on
4: that too, right? The variety and when we sewed it, uh, yeah. So right, yeah, you just got to plan early. Well, you, it works better if you plan early, but you can even make up your mind on the spur of the moment right now. Well,
3: we, we didn't, back in 2016, yeah. we didn't plan on it until right at the end. Yep. Uh, so we didn't put early variety crop in then yeah yeah um you just saw the opportunity we just seen the opportunity said bugger it we'll do it because we'd done the same thing the year before we put uh 20 hectares of topaz in after canola the year before yeah which worked out pretty, third, pretty well third this year. Yeah.
1: so if someone else if they're listening to this and they're going to be double cropping is there any like key things that you would tell them well, to look out for?
4: Do it this year <laughs> think back at the chemicals um, or if it was canola did you use uh yeah, one of those um, you yeah, know any of those bad chemicals on there
3: yeah any sort of, sort of what do you call it that, yeah, that any pre-immersion that's going to be pre-immersion
4: that's going to affect the rice that's one of the main things yep um, I mean if you took through chook put out well, you just remind yourself that you, you might get a bit of striping it might get a bit of lodging a bit, a bit of lodging yeah you but that's okay unless you've got a crop there if it lodges
3: yeah if you're going to go through if you're not going to direct drill and you're going to you know work the ground up make sure you bury your trash pretty well otherwise you'll have issues uh, with the floating and you know, germination, especially near the banks it sort of settles up close to the bank and you might have you know like 10 meters long so we the didn't bank.
4: lose like we might have lost one percent yeah it wasn't mass, but we, yeah. we went in
3: we went in deep with the disc you know to make sure that we did bury it properly yep
4: and then then squashed it down yeah we
3: rolled it twice but squashed it down nicely yeah
4: then everything goes uh when you've got the rice established then you get blood worms and you get uh everything growing through there and slime and the rice just grows through it beautifully and loves it because it's at the time of year when it's warm anyhow it's gonna bounce yeah it bounces back and yeah it does yield quite well with all after all that trash is broken down
3: yeah okay Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah any final things that you wanted to say
3: Good luck with it. Hope, <laughs> if you do do the up cropping, hope it works out well. You know, these days with the farm, you, you can't sort of leave paddocks out. You know, mm. well, just especially in us
4: with limited, we only like 500 hectares, not a big farm, it's a very small farm. So we love to push it to the absolute limit. Mm. And this is one way for us to push it to the limit. Um, you know, you can't, if you have a much bigger farm, you can afford to leave paddocks out just in case you've got the water. But uh, yeah, we just work work, the max out of
1: whatever we got. So it was really good to catch up with Anthony and Jim. I could see that they're really getting ready and everything's really happening on their farm when I went out to visit them. But what were your sort of take homes when you listen back to the interview that i did with them charlie
0: first of all it was a great interview i think there's some really key messages which they did emphasize especially around being organized and planning so they already knew that they wanted to put rice back in their rotation they'd done their homework and worked out that there would be no chemical residual issues with having canola and their program and then also they really organized and planned so they had a plan of you know when they were going to harvest, how they're going to drill sow their crop, and that they're going to put that permanent water on at that three leaf stage. So reduces the risk of um, delaying maturity. So I think they were kind of the key things for me. It's just how much forward planning had gone into that thought around their cropping system this time, and I guess also be interested. Well, I am really excited to see the difference between last time they dry broadcast and this time they drill sowing. So. It'd be good to see a comparison between the different um, sowing methods.
1: I think it'll be a crop that I'll keep a close eye on throughout the season, so we can have a bit of a comparison at the end of the of the C21 season. So, uh, thanks for the summary. What's coming up in events for rice
0: extension? Yeah, so rice extension's got a busy November December uh, coming up in two or roughly ten days' time. Uh, Harriet, you've got the Women in Rice event which is wandering the wetlands, which is sold out, which is really exciting. Um, We've got field walks, which are happening late November, early December. And those details will be going out in our newsletter. And also you'll see those arrive in your inbox. And then we've got an agronomist update, which is happening at Rappel on the 23rd of November. So they'll also receive an email for that. And finally, just to cap off the year, we've got the Grow of the Year Field Day at Peter and Erin Drapers up in Leighton, on the 10th of December, which I'm really looking forward to having growers come along to their farm and see why they were the worthy winners of the Grow of the Year awards.
1: Yeah, we know it's a really busy time for everyone this time of the year. There's lots of, plenty of activity and particularly even in the WhatsApp group, the Talking Rice Seed 21 group. We just wanted to make it clear that really good that growers are sharing all their advice and what's happening on farm. But yeah, make sure you check off any sort of ideas with your agronomist just to make sure that what you're doing is, is is the right thing for your paddock and your farm
0: yeah that grower to grower sharing of knowledge is really good but we just can't emphasize enough that before you go and make a management decision talk to your agronomist or your advisor or grower services because what's written in the whatsapp group is just for general discussion
1: yeah that's a really good point thanks for joining us this week we'll see you next time bye guys